Blog Talk Radio. What'd you do? It should be playing. Do 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 do. I'm looking at it and it's playing. Uh, okay. No, it, it's not playing. I'm not seeing it on on. Uh, the little, there we go. This is all about wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert. Wrong. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Share your question or comments using the live chat feature on our website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Again, that's www.allaboutwinebtr.com. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. All right. Now. No clue, right? Something something is totally off because uh, it was still playing, and my my timer for that audio clip was down to zero for like – 10 seconds, 20, 15 seconds or so. Mine so, my never showed up. It is totally messed up. I, but, I didn't, hey, yeah, I didn't see he, mine at all. Yeah. Come on, so. I'm going to have to take um, another sip. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to well, take a look at it again. So, well, there we are. Um, Despite welcome the, to the show. It's Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Thursday, uh, February 7th, 20, 2019, 2019, however you say it. And a welcome to All About Wine. Uh, I didn't even get to ask you if you were drinking wine. I know I am. Um, no, I'm not. You... Do we have some <gasps> wine back then? What? Yeah, no. I was I was slacking. I, I was around. I'm on the boat trying to get the stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you have? What do you have? What? A... Yeah. What huh? are you drinking? To? Who me? Yeah. Or her? Oh, I'm, I have. I'm... I just opened a bottle of port myself. Oh, did uh, you? So. <laughs> I sure as heck did, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I'm drinking out of a uh, Florida State's winery uh, wine glass, and uh, I have the the bottle down here uh, next to me, and I can refill at any time. And uh, oh, but I don't know if I'm going to refill it too many times. <laughs> too many. Times. <laughs> you think it's tonight, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I might hear all kinds of uh, all kinds mm. of sound effects during the show, and just at random. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's it's just delicious, and um, I don't know why I picked port. Why would I pick port tonight? <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was I was looking at the topic for tonight's show. I don't know if that was uh, still going or or what, but uh, I thought I would uh, pick a port. Uh, port with it. Yeah. What what happened? Uh, what do you happen to be drinking soon? Drinking I soon? I just, I just yelled at oh. the engineer. She's, she's in the process of, of just yelled. She's scooping the bottle and she's pouring it and she's oh, bringing good. it to me. Mystery oh, bottle. 
mystery bottle. Hmm. Hey, let me take a sip of it. It's a red wine. Hmm. Actually, just open it and pour it. So let me give it a second to open up here. It is a Dionysian Cellars. That's how you pronounce it, Dionysian. As in the Greek Dionysian. Dionysian Cellars 2010 Seder. Oh, I don't what? think that's... Yeah, that's just their thing they're doing here. Uh, it's a California red wine, and it's what it is. Uh, uh, Dionysian, yeah, that's how it's pronounced it in the back. They give me pronunciation, Dionysian. I did it right. I'm okay. Um, it's a Greek god of wine. The Greek... Uh, uh, mythology, Greek god of wine. It says the personal attitude of one who uninhibited, mystical, sensual, emotional, and irrational, and who may seek to escape from the boundaries imposed by the limits of the senses. On our quest to find uh, exotic, rare, and simply divine Vitus Vinifera, we stumbled upon the hidden gems high in the mountains of California. Obsessively, we set to work crafting these grapes into wine in a Dionysian fashion. Painstaking effort at every stage has been rewarded with wines that possess the completely and Oh, the complexity and personality to elevate them above and beyond. All of that is on a label? All that's on a label. That's why it's hard for me to read. It's a little small, but then all that was on a label. 14.2% alcohol. It is um, produced and bottled by the Ancien Sellers in... Lehman, Utah. Oh, this is the one that. This is this is the one. Okay, now I I remember this one. I'm trying to think where did we get this. How did we get this? When I was out in Utah back in October, my daughter and I went around to visit wineries one day, and we first we went out to. Uh, what's it called? Goat Island. What's the name of that island? Do you recall? And Utah on Salt Lake. What? Pink. No, I don't think it was pink. I don't think it was goat. I don't know. I can't remember what the name of it is right now. Boy, that's terrible. But we were went out to this island. After the island, we went around it and all that, which the name of the island is insignificant. Anyway, we decided to go visit some wineries that were around Salt Lake City and that area there. So we she GPSed wineries and we found the one and we drove around and back streets and back roads and stuff like that we finally came across a winery and it was hard to find it was like an industrial park and it was hard to find and we drove up to it and there was a guy sitting out front that had 
uh, a pickup truck and he's putting stuff in it. We came up and we go, uh, uh, he said, they're closed. And I said, well, no, it says that they don't close until six o'clock. It's only a little after five. And he goes, no, no, they're closed, closed. They're closed. They closed it down. And I go, oh, wow. And he goes, yeah. He says, I, I'm a broker. I bought out the stock and everything. He says, it closed. I have been dumping wine down the drain for the last two days. And, you know, my heart skipped a beat when he said that. I'm going, oh, my gosh. And he goes, yeah. He says, legally, that's all we can do, And which I realize it. But it still hurts your heart when they have to do that. And uh, so we started talking. I told him, you know, I'm at a winery in, California, or in Florida and all that stuff. And I says, is there any wines available? Do they have them in stores or anything? And he goes, no, it's only here. He says, here. And he walks inside and he grabs a bottle and hands it to me and hands it to my daughter. And he goes, don't tell anyone. He says, here. And, he's, and he gave each of us a bottle of wine. And this is it. This is the one that uh, I remember you talking me. about it. I remember you talking about it when you got back from the from the, uh, the yeah, trip. From and the trip. you had mentioned that. You mentioned that before in a couple other places you went to. Um, I don't remember the island either, but uh, I remember you talking I, yeah. about the about him sitting out there and, and he couldn't uh, – you know, that he was dumping it all out. It's like, wow, what a waste. Right. <laughs> what a waste. It is. But he gave me this one. And uh, just now. So uh, how is it? I mean, uh, was it? I, I don't know. It just, you just open it. When you just open a wine, you really you, yeah. you need to sit out for a few minutes. It just uh, it helps bring out the aromas and stuff. And it did on this. Wow. It's much better. It's uh, got some nice red wine aromas, uh, the classic plum and dark fruit stuff that you get in red wines. And the taste. Oh, that's nice. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, got just enough tannins in it to, to give it a little bit of dryness. The, uh, you know, those 13% alcohol, it's not, it, it's, it's balanced. It just, you, did I say 13 or 14? This is 14. yeah, 14.2, right? 14.2, yeah. yeah. Hmm. And so it's 14% alcohol. It's still, it's not that burning alcohol taste. Uh, it's uh, got a nice aftertaste too. It lingers with you. It's, it's a nice, nice mouthful too. Really a nice wine. It's a shame that the guy's out of business because this is nice wine. So uh, that's where it came from. Not available anywhere, I'm afraid, because it's out of business and they they dumped it. This was already bottled, and the guy was kind enough to give it to us, which is illegal. But he was kind enough to give it to us. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it was illegal, but you know, you're not going to catch me because by now it's been months, and so. <laughs> oh. Okay. Wow. So that's <clears throat> that's what we're going tonight. Something we were uh, talking about this Tarpon Springs Wine Walk. Too, I mentioned it last week. Let me bring it up again because it's still, you know, three weeks away. I think 23rd. Uh, is yeah, uh, today's the seventh, so it's two weeks and two days away. So it's in Tarpon Springs, Florida. It's Wine Walk on Saturday, February 23rd. It's from four to eight. 
uh, and the Sponge Docks, four to nine downtown. The Sponge Docks in downtown is maybe a mile apart. I mean, they're not real, real close to each other. So, uh, but there's businesses and stuff on the streets between the two. Tickets are $20 in advance, 25 at the door. And uh, it's, uh, it starts at the, uh, either in, at the wine docks at 828 uh, Diodonis, uh, which is in the docks, or at one amazing find at, uh, on East Tarpon Avenue which is downtown and you uh oh oops that's wrong page and you can uh uh it's purchase to consider advance twenty dollars in advance you can go onto the website uh which is tarpon springs florida usa dot com and it'll send you to their Tarpon Springs, Florida website, and then click on the Wine Walk Info and Tickets, which is a very small little page here with a little bit of information on it. But rain or shine, no refunds on tickets. So if you get them in range, you can trust to the rain if you want, or you can just let them keep your twenty dollars. But um, they've got a bunch of businesses. They've got a Wine tastings, they've got all sorts of stuff going on. And I don't think this is their first. It says their next one is 23rd. So I believe they've done it before. And not a whole lot of information about it on their website either, but that's it. So if you're in Tampa area, Tarpon Springs is north of Clearwater, which is across the bay from Tampa, north of St. Petersburg. And it is a beautiful town there, just a gorgeous little town, Tarpon Springs. Uh, Greek communities, but if you've never been there, it's worth the trip. Just go there, and if you've never been there, plan on it on the evening of February the 23rd, and get your tickets in advance, save you five bucks. Or if you're afraid of rain, then do it the day of the event. If extra ten bucks to for the couple to do it the day of the event might be worth, you know, being sure it's not going to rain. So, but that's coming up. So we were talking about that a little bit, and then. Uh, you know, the website for Tarpon Springs Florida tells a little bit about it and stuff like that and has some pictures and events and things if you want to check that out. But that's coming up in a week and a half or two and a half weeks. Uh, so you can see what's going on there. And let's see, I had uh, something else. Um, last week we were answering questions for uh, somebody who emailed me. Uh Casey sent me some emails, and I was answering questions for him. And one of the questions was, what exactly is the difference between wine and port? And we had some other questions he asked, which, you know, one of them about the alcohol around St. Bernard's Neck, which I found quite interesting myself. That was a good question. Also, we talked about snake wine. And uh, he also sent in... Uh, a couple more questions uh, after that, but he had another question that I thought was a very good question. So, Casey, if you're listening to this, this this is a very good question. When I he asked about food and wine pairings, and I said balance. You 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 want balance. You want balance between the food and the wine. You don't want the wine to overpower the food, nor do you want the food to overpower the wine. 
And he wrote back and he said, one last question. When balancing wine with food, are you generally talking about the alcohol content or what? And I thought, that's very good. Simply because wine has a lot of those components. It has the alcohol. It has the acid. It has the tannins for the dryness. It could have sweetness. It could have all these factors. And so when you're pairing wine with food to get the balance, what do you look for? And sometimes, it, it, you know, you, you try not. I don't think alcohol is one of the major ones. It, it does play a part in there, though, because if you get something that's very alcoholic, it could sway the taste of, of everything else. Same thing if you get something real acidic. There are some wines out there that are noted for their acid, and you get something acidic, you're going to have to match that up with something that's going to balance that acid. That's not going to overpower the mouth with a very, you know, very acidic meal. That's why when you have sauces, when it's particularly red sauce, uh, a tomato-based sauce, they tend to be acidic because the tomatoes are acidic. And so a lot of times you're looking for a wine that's not going to add a whole lot of acid to that meal already. You want something that's going to help cut that a little bit. So red wines usually work well as long as the red wine is not too acidic. And there are some red wines out there that can be that can be very acidic. And you're going to say, which ones? I, you know, off the top of my head, I can't think of any right now. But uh, uh, some, some of them, when you go to your local liquor store or wine shop, ask them if, how acidic it is, which brings me to another point, which I'll make after this. But if the wine is really sweet, a really sweet wine, I think you would want to shy away from a really sweet dessert. Uh, it would just be an overload of sweet. You're not going to drink a, uh, a sauterne or an ice line or a uh, uh, toque or any of those with a really sweet uh, cheesecake dessert or something. You're going to want something that's going to tone down that a little bit. So, the balance is taking in the whole wine, the whole wine, how it's going to balance with the meal, uh, along with the different aspects of that wine. So if the alcohol is real high, then you're going to want something to stand to the alcohol along with everything else. So I, I don't know if, if I made myself clear on that, but I thought that was a good question, you know, when you balance it. Do you look at alcohol? Do you look at the flavors? I mean, some wines are very dry. That's what you look at. You want to balance the dryness with the mill. You want to balance the acid again uh, with the mill and uh, along with all that. So there's uh, there's a good question, Casey. That's that's something that most people uh, most people just don't think about, and the fact that the uh, uh, the, the other aspects of the wine, not just wine overall. And he asks also, what's a good wine for the holidays, for Valentine's Day? I tell you what, a lot of people like sweet wine. It's a good wine for Valentine's Day is coming up next week, which is the day of the show, isn't it? The 14th. Uh, the good wine with Valentine's Day, if somebody likes a sweet wine and 
pick up the Moscato. They're on the shelf. There's lots of Moscatos on the shelf. They're sweet. Uh, some of the Moscatos can be a lot sweeter than others. Moscato's name of the grape, so just look at the label that says Moscato, uh, M-O-S-C-A-T-O, Moscato. And uh, just about any of them will serve their purpose if you're looking for a sweeter wine. If you want something, if someone who you're buying wine for is a red wine drinker, uh, I always recommend very highly Seven Deadly Zins. Uh, it's a Zimado, it's good, it's reasonably priced, and it really is a very well-balanced Zimado red wine as is Klein's Old Vines Inn, which you can find that just about everywhere. Uh, that's one of my one of my favorites also. And if you want to mix it up a little bit, pick up a Barbera. You can get a domestic Barbera. You can get an Italian Barbera. But uh, get a Barbera for a red wine. Or if you don't want something real sweet, don't want to go red, then do something a little bit lighter, uh, go with a Sauvignon Blanc, a, a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. If someone likes a white uh, white wine with a little bit of bite to it, that's nice. Or something even more different, pick up a Gewürztraminer. Uh, those are available. It's a big, long word, but you can find a Gewürz. If you go into your wine shop, just ask for a Gewürz, and they'll show you where they are. So those are some of them you can look at for the, the uh, for next Thursday for Valentine's Day. And I mentioned wine shop. I'm going to go into that a little bit too. Find yourself a wine shop that is local and that you like. Now, I'm not talking about a big one. I'm not talking about the great big wine stores. Uh, I'm talking about a wine shop, a little store that sells liquor and wine. Get to know them and let them get to know you. Ask him for advice. Ask him for, you know, I'm looking for Gewurz demeanor. And that's a good opening so you can go in there and start talking to some of them. And continue using that wine shop. They will appreciate the business because most of them are small, independently ran, and they will get to know you. And they will know your taste. They will know what you're looking for. They will know what you will enjoy. And if you will enjoy trying something different. Some people like to stick with their same wines all the time. I highly recommend do not do that. Uh, jump around, try different ones. You never know until you try different ones. But if you have yourself a, a local wine store that you the people get to know you and you know them, it becomes a relationship that is really beneficial for finding good wines you can walk in the store and they go, oh, hi, I'm glad you're in here. We got a wine in last week that I think you're really going to love. And, you know, they'll learn your price range. They'll learn the wines you like and all that. And it's invaluable in your wine ventures, especially if you're starting out. Uh, it's something that really, really helps. So look for a little small local wine shop, wine store, and patronize them and Get a relationship. It's only way to do it. But again, thank you, Casey, for those questions. Those those were good questions. And then he asked the one about port, and that's what got me started on port this week. We are going to talk about port. While Mike sits in the background and drinks port, we're going to talk about it. 
And so very it's going to be yeah, I'm good for it. That's it, though. That's no more after that. That is all. Be be conservative. Be frugal. Okay. Well, that's my second glass, so I will slow down. But then have more. <laughs> after you've had two, you say, oh, my gosh, that's good. I'm going to have another. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> mm, it is good. Mm. But yeah. I need to save it. Yeah, I know. Yep. <laughs> We're going to talk about pork. And I'm going to I actually uh, tell you where this came from. I did a series, uh, the winery one. We had the winery. I used to write a newsletter every couple of weeks, right before we did a festival. We used to have wine fest, as you know, if you're a longtime listener. We did a wine fest a couple times a month. And before the wine fest, we would send out an e-letter reminding people of it and saying who was going to be at the wine fest. And it had a little bit of trivia in there. It had a recipe, a wine, you know, recipe or a recipe that goes great with wines and different things. And it had... uh, uh, information about the class, all sorts of stuff in the little letter. And I would find trivia in all sorts of places. In fact, I did all, all sorts of different bits of trivia and all that. During a two-month period, I did trivia on port. I wrote every, uh, well, geez, more than two months because it was an eight-part thing. So it was it was spread out over... Uh, four months because we were doing two two a month, so it's probably over four months. So I was doing an eight part series on port. Started well, here we go. This is it started back on April of '08. So it shows you how long ago this this was in here. So I'm sure those who read it and got the e better do not remember it. But this is from that, and for some reason. The part seven is missing, and I looked all over for it in my archives here, and I can't find part seven. But that's okay. We've got the other parts here, and that's that's what's important. So let's dive into port and talk about port and give you a little bit of history and more than you want to know about port on this series shows. And again, thanks, Casey, for the question. Back in 1678, two English merchants traveling through Portugal stayed one night at a monastery in Lamego. At the dinner, they enjoyed wine they had never tasted before. And they said that may be the first taste of port by the English. And the two merchants quickly realized that the wine's export potential there have been many stories about the origins of port wine, but this is the one most accepted. It is interesting to note that in the 17th century, not even the people in the country's capital of Lisbon, which is about 300 kilometers away, knew much about the wine produced in Dural Valley. Uh, Dural Valley is the port area of Portugal. By the 18th century, the English dominated the port trade. So it didn't take them long to, you know, take it all over. And the demand for port 
during the Napoleonic Wars was very high because the French wine was not available, which makes sense. So the English involvement explains why so many of the terms relating to the wine, its organizations, labels, and producing company names are not Portuguese. Which, if you're wondering, why is this why is this an English name? Well, it's because the English basically spread it around the world. One of the most controversial Englishmen in the history of port was the Baron of Forrester. He had many accomplishments. Baron of Forrester was a successful wine merchant who felt the adding of great spirits to the wine to stop its fermentation was an alteration, adulteration. In fact, unscrupulous producers at the time often added questionable liquids to increase their profits, including, and not limited to, ox blood. Ew, I guarantee you there's no ox blood in the strawberry port. In addition to stopping such additions, the Baron wanted Portugal's wines to be fermented completely, as the country's exceptional table wines are today. But Baron of Forrester spent two years surveying the Duro Valley, drawing extraordinary detailed maps of the region. He lived aboard a kind of boat designed specifically for travel on the fast-moving river called a Barco Rebello, B-A-R-C-O-R-A-B-E-L-O, Barco Rebello. Ironically, Baron de Foster drowned when his boat overturned in one of the rapids. He was wearing a money belt filled with gold coins to pay his workers, which weighed him down. His body was never recovered, which I would assume that the money belt was never recovered. Hmm, I'm surprised they haven't went looking for him yet, but with the rapids and everything, he could be anywhere along the river. As the port trade grew and became more lucrative, the king of Portugal took steps to regain control from the English in the late 18th century. He sent his minister, the Marquis de Pombal, to lay out the grape growing area of the Duro. Many original demarcation posts still stand because they were made of the natural rock of the Duro called Schist, S-C-H-I-S-T. This is the very first demarcated wine region in the world. St. Port is an old, old item. Uh, Portuguese notably moved into the port trade. One of the most remarkable was Donna Antonio Adelaide Ferrara, who owned many properties in the Duro Valley in the 19th century. Not only was she a mere woman in business dominated by men, she was a widow with a young daughter. Despite the challenges she faced, Ferrara worked hard and prospered. At her request, the peasants of the area built roads and buildings, cleared land and planted vineyards. By the time of her death at age 85 in 1896, she had created a very large and significant port company, Ferrara Port, one that is still in business. You can buy a Ferrara Port now, too, which they are very good. 
Such was the relationship between Fry and her workers that today, almost two centuries after her death, they referred to her wine by the family name Ferrarinha. F-E-R-R-E-R-E-I-R-I-N-H-A, which I'm sure it is a Portuguese-type pronunciation of it. This was the second part. This actually tells you what is truly port. Okay, Port is a fortified red or white wine made from grape varieties that grow specifically in the Dural River Valley in northern Portugal. The wine ferments at the farms where the grapes grow, called quintas. Q-U-I-N-T-A-S, quintas. Grape farms are called quintas because they used to pay one-fifth of their income in taxes. One-fifth in Portuguese is a quinta. For the most part, port is blended and aged in the cellars at Villanova de Gaia, a city at the mouth of the Dura River, opposite the city of Porto. The taste of port ranges from fruity and sweet to complex and dry. And we'll get into the different tastes shortly here. A combination of five grape varieties go into port wine. And... Rarely do they use any other grapes. These are the five main ones. I'm going to destroy the names on these. Torrego Nacional, Tinto Kale, Tinta Barroca, Tinta Roriz, and Torrego Francesa. That's it. Seldom will you find any others. With some exceptions, port wines are blends from different years and different quantas. Could be as many as 100 different ports, or as few as two are combined to produce the different types of port. Port is usually enjoyed before or after the entree. Now, the French became the biggest port drinkers about five years ago. It used to be the British. The British drink port all the time with everything. It was an after-dinner drink, and after you finished your meal, you would sit down and have port and enjoy some port. Well, they lost the title as the biggest port drinkers about, I guess it's been about five years ago now. And they lost that to the French. And the French started to drink port as an aperitif, which was sacrilege to the British. They thought that was, you know, completely wrong. So French to do that. But the French drank a lot of it before the meals. And so now the French are the biggest port drinkers in the world. Port is usually enjoyed before or after the entree, you know, or just by itself. A rich blue cheese, such as a Stilton, is probably the best known accompaniment to port wine, but it is certainly not the only one. The taste of port combines nicely with dried fruits, nuts, particularly walnuts, chocolate, uh, pate de foie gras, or was that goose liver, I believe, and other foods. Port wine also adds a wonderful flavor as an ingredient in many dishes, both sweet and savory. And let's not forget, however, that port wine is very tasty on its own and can be enjoyed at any occasion, even when you're doing a radio program. 
It can also be used to make a cool, refreshing drink for a warm summer's day called a port splash. Port splash is equal parts of white port and tonic water poured over ice with a twist of lemon. I've never had one. That sounds refreshing. I've never had one. Part three of my series was just to tell you a little bit about the soil in the area where the port is growing. Uh, again, we're talking about the original classic port. This is all based in the Doral region of Portugal. All this, is what I'm telling you here, is not you know local. Sometimes will vary, but this is all just in the, the in Euro region of Portugal. Port wine grows. Grapes grow in extraordinarily rugged vineyards. Most Dural Valley hillsides are very steep and rocky. Under thin topsoil is a formation called schist, a coarse and hard rock of different minerals that splits into layers the way shell does. If you look up port uh, in Dural region, though, some of the sites show how the rock and soil is in layers like that. Pretty interesting, by the way. Um, you can take a look at that. Not now. You're listening to me. Well, after the show. Preparing land for vineyards in the Dural Valley is a Herculean task. Very labor-intensive. Terrace walls line the steepest hills that may rise 60 feet, which is about 20 meters or more. These walls are made of rocks piled by hand, piece by piece, to create flat areas for planting and prevent erosion during the heavy winter rains. And because they've been around since the 1700s, then they are easy to take care of, but originally were, oh my gosh. Some gentler slopes are planted in uh, Pantameris, P-A-T-A-M-A-R-E-S, Pantameris, are low terraces that stand without supporting walls of rock. Other hills have rows of grapevines and vertical plantings that run down the slope rather than across it. So they go up and down. So it just depends on where you are and what works. Uh, they have different, different ones there. Planting new vines in itself is also a challenge. Shice is so hard that growers often use dynamite to give the plants a good start and break it up some so that the plants can take root. They dig into the rock with a steel rod, place the dynamite to stand back. The charge has to split the rock to get the root started without cracking the terrace wall. Once established, though, a vineyard may produce grapes for many, many years, and the vine roots will grow deep into the layered rock. So some of the port vines are old, very, very old, because they will survive for so long. Okay, this part four. Is part four? I believe it is, isn't it? Yes, part four. Uh, this is uh, a little bit about harvesting, crushing, fermentation, and all that. Basically, this part applies to just about anywhere in the world. But uh, again, we're 
from the Dural region of Portugal. In autumn, the work of the harvest involves almost everyone in the Dural region. Grapes that grow in this rugged landscape must be picked by hand. I mean, you can't see a machine going up. I mean, if they have to build it up 60 feet walls to level it off and plant it, or if they're going vertically up and down the hill. So you can imagine everything by hand. Teams of pickers called rogas, R-O-G-A-S, return to the same vineyard year after year and work from sunrise to sunset. Each row of vineyards may be picked several times because only grape, ripe grapes can be taken. So they go through, they don't cut a complete bunch if it's not ripe. They'll pick the ripe bunches. Uh, unlike other fruit, grapes will not continue to mature once they are picked, so they've got to be sure they're ready. The entire rural region is harvested in about four weeks, and the task must be complete before the autumn rains begin. And they do get some serious rains in that area. Oh, my gosh, I looked it up one time to find out, and I was shocked about the amount of rains that fall in Portugal, northern Portugal, and that little finger of Spain that comes out. Oh, geez, it's just lots of rain there. Most groups today, however, are crushed mechanically. Machines strip the grapes from the stems, crush them, and remove the seeds. If all the seeds, uh, all the stems and the seeds were left in the grape juice, they would give the wine a bitter, puckering taste. And obviously, that is not something you want. Fermentation is the process in which grape sugar is converted by naturally occurring yeast into alcohol and carbon dioxide. Juice begins to ferment as soon as it is released from the grapes. Mechanical systems have pumps to circulate the juice and skin. Once the juice is the right color, any skins, stems, and seeds are removed and the juice is pumped into primary fermentation tanks. These tanks are usually stainless steel and must be properly vented to let carbon dioxide out without allowing outside air in. Outside air contains contamination such as mold spores that can ruin the wine. So it's something you have to be very careful with, especially when it's getting close to the rainy season. There are lots of spores and molds and stuff in the air because it's so wet there. At this point, once it's there, the juice is allowed to ferment undisturbed, although the venters keep a close eye on the process. As soon as the juice contains 7% alcohol, they add brandy. All right, 7% is all. I mean, that's, it really is a pretty low amount. Let me take a sip of this wine. Mm. Well, that is good. Too bad they're out of business. That's good. The brandy is 77% alcohol. And by adding one part for every five parts of fermented grape juice, the percentage of alcohol in the port rises to about 20%. All right. This process, called fortification, stops the fermentation immediately by killing all the natural yeast. Some natural sugars remain, which is why port wine is sweet. Okay. Back up on that a little bit, just to clarify. It stops at 7% alcohol. If you continue to let it ferment, it ferments out all the sugars. That's what 
the yeast does. It converts the sugars to alcohol. You're stopping these sugars from fermenting at 7%, which is reasonably low. You still got a lot of lot of sugars in there. And you're adding brandy. So this stops everything. So you still have a lot of sugars in it, which translates no matter, even if you have 20% alcohol, you still have a sweeter wine because the sugars are still there. After the brandy, the very young port begins the aging process. And it may be stored for a while in tanks of various shapes and sizes. Most young wines are shipped down to the cellars at Villanova de Gaia. There was a time when wooden casks of port were loaded and sent down the river. Today, they travel along the roads on trucks. They stop the river transport. The river, Dura River is pretty nasty in some areas, and they've got it dammed up a lot in places, too. So that makes a difference. All right. Oh, why is that like that? Hmm. Oh, well. Part five. Blending requires exceptional skills, knowledge, and a well-educated nose. Master blenders combine ports from different years to create a certain taste. That's why they're consistent if you buy one. They may use a few different ports or a great many to give the wine the desired flavor, aroma, texture, and complexity. It is not only the blending of ports that creates the desired taste. The flavors of the different barrels can change the taste and characteristics of the finished port wine. So therefore, you just can't make up a menu saying, okay, I need this much from this vineyard, this much from this vineyard, and this much from this vineyard, and I've got my final blend. You're going to have to taste it know what you're doing because the barrels will change it every year. Master blenders regularly line up empty casks in the cellars and inhale the aromas from each one. Some used port barrels are shipped to Scotland where they are used to age scotch whiskey and add their flavor to the finished product. They've been doing that for centuries. And same thing with French oak barrels after the wine's been used to send it to certain uh, distilleries in Scotland to make scotch. So, When a young wine arrives from the quinta, or the grower, now it's the, the quinta is not just, but it's the grower they're called. <coughs> Excuse me. The master blender takes it and decides what kind of port it is destined to be. This determines which containers are used for the aging process. Ruby ports are put in very large wooden vats. These have a smaller surface of area-to-volume ratio, so there's less oxidation or air getting into it. Inevitably, some air gets into the sides of the barrel and comes in contact with the wine. But by reducing oxidation, the wine keeps its bright red color and fruity taste, the ruby color. Other pores destined for wines with mahogany hues and complex taste go into the smaller cask where there is more oxidation or more air in. The wines do not just set in the same cask, however. The master blender and apprentices taste the wine regularly to see what effect time is having on them. Port may be aged for only a few years. Generally speaking, ruby and white ports are served younger than the others. The other 
ports may be held for six years or more, partly in cans, partly in bottles. Vintage wines and single quinta vintages may lie for generations before they reach their ideal state, and literally generations. Uh, my great-great-grandfather started to make this wine, and now it's ready to be served. I mean, it's just the way it is. They're very, very expensive. Port wine is aged and stored in cellars for two main reasons, temperature and light. It is cool in the cellar, and temperature does not vary from day to day, even from season to season. The stability is very important. It's also crucial to keep the port away from sunlight that can change the structure of the wine through the glass. Storing wine at home, if you have a port, before opening, port wine should be stored in a cool place out of the direct sunlight. Any ports with corks are stored lying down with the label up. Or store ports with cork stoppers standing up. And this is what Florida State Winery uses, cork stoppers. By storing with the label up, you can identify the port without disturbing the bottle. And also keeps any sediments down at the bottom. After opening ports, it should be kept in a cool place out of the strong light. Ports with stoppers can be kept up for a couple months. And they're usually the fruitier ruby ports and tawnies that, uh, with cork that will be concerned much more quickly. And generally speaking, though, the order, the port, the more quickly it should be consumed. Vinci's and single quinta vintages, for example, should be consumed within 24 hours of opening. Otherwise, the flavor might be changed, oxidation takes over, and the complexity completely disappears. So, take care of your port. Why are these? These it's copy these. These are different colors, like it's a copy for pasting color. Or if I did this, it would change it back in the other direction. Nope. Oh, there we go. Uh, Part six. This is about all the different ports. Ruby. A ruby port is a blend from sterile harvest, different years, and different vineyards. It spends a minimum of two years in very large vats before being bottled. And again, let me reference the fact that these are from the rural region of Portugal. These are port ports. And so these rules and regulations are set up and has to be followed. They're set up by the Portuguese government. And so these are pretty stringent rules on these. The large vats minimize the amount of air that comes in contact with the wine, which reduces oxidation so the wine retains its bright red hue. Ruby is ready to drink when it is bottled and has a rich red color and a full fruity taste. If you're just starting in port, the ruby is a good way to start. It's, it's good. It's pleasant port. Tawny, T-A-W-N-Y, tawny port. Tawny port is also a blend from several harvests, but is aged for two to seven years in cask. The smaller storage vessels also allow more oxidation from the vats than those used for ruby ports. It is ready to drink as soon as it's bottled. And as the name applies, tawny port has a deep mahogany color, 
with a drier and nuttier taste. And porch do give you a lot of nutty taste to it. Aged tawny. Aged tawny is the best tawny port. It can have an age of 10, 20, 30, or 40 or more years. Just depends. These are some of those that great-grandfather put aside and started. The age will indicate on the label and describes the average age of the wines in the blend. In a 20-year-old age tawny, there may be some ports 100 years old to add a complexity to the wine. Aged tawny ports have a, a refined, subtle taste. Now, you can tell the difference. Again, I've talked about this. You don't have to have a, a sophisticated palate to know if a wine is good. And, uh, a tawny, an aged tawny compared to a tawny, right away you'll know the difference. Uh, a colleta. A colleta. And it's spelled C-O-L-H-E-I-T-A, pronounced colleta. A colleta means harvest. It's a tawny port that is made with grapes from a single harvest. It is aged at least seven years in cask or in wood, but most of the time it's aged much longer, a minimum seven years. The label indicates the year of the harvest. Now, this is a vintage port, if you will, a colleta is a vintage port. And we, you know, vintage is the year that the grapes were picked. And this is a, a, a is one if you look for a vintage port. White port. They have a lighter taste and a very, uh, they vary from quite sweet to very dry. The sweetest are called Lagrima, L-A-G-R-I-M-A. These wines are made from a blend of Juice from white grapes from different vineyards and different vineyard and uh, a, a blend of, of white grapes from different vineyards and may have a small amount of juice from red grapes. The wine spends two to three years in casks and is ready to drink when bottled. White port usually serves as an aperitif and makes a very tasty and refreshing drink called the port splash, which I mentioned earlier. Crusted port. Crusted port is a type of ruby and spends three years in a cask, but most of its aging is in a bottle. It is a blend of wines from several different years and gets its name from the sediment that appears in the bottle as it ages, since this wine is not filtered. The crust is mainly tiny pieces of grape skin, plus bits of seed and stems, that settle in the lowest part of the bottle. Sediment does not taste or feel good, so the port must be decanted. Vintage character. Vintage character port is a higher quality ruby blend of port vintages that ages four to six years in the cask or in wood. It is filtered to remove any sediment when, sediment when bottled. Vintage character is a full-bodied fruity wine. Now, it's different from a vintage, just a straight vintage port. Remember, a, a colleta means harvest. That's your, your single harvest vintage port. Single quinta port. A single quinta ports are made from wine from one vineyard. 
They may be a 20 or vintage styles. After aging two years in wood, they are bottled and spend from five to 50 years maturing. The label will indicate the vintage year and bottling date. Single Quinta port has a complex and refined taste. Late bottled port, or LBV, is made from grapes grown in a single year. The port is aged four to six years in wood before bottling. The label will indicate the vintage and bottling date. The LBV port is ready to drink earlier than vintage port, and when labeled traditional, it may have some sediment. For this reason, LBV traditional ports, like vintage ports, need decanting. And is vintage port. Vintage ports come from a single harvest or exceptional quality and is bottled after two years in wood. The wine then spends many years aging in the bottle, in glass bottles, and the label will show the year of the vintage and the year of the, the wine was bottled. This is one of the most sought-after wines in the world. From 1901 to 1999, only 14 port vintages have been declared. So because of the scarcity of the wines and only being declared 14 times in 100 years, that's why they're sought after. And it's worth it. Uh, and part seven, I don't have. And I, I don't know. I think part seven was basically about how to serve it. And I'm almost positive that's what it was because I remember these articles, I think, are these write-ups. And I think part seven was how to serve port. And basically, let's just say port in a glass and enjoy it. Understand it, but enjoy it. Uh, don't, uh, she start getting vintage ports and stuff like that. You know, show it the respect it deserves and And enjoy it. And then I told you it was an eight part. Let me uh, let me go to part eight here and see what I had to say on part eight. Uh, oh, this was a long time ago. Uh, so we've had a lot of information. The last seven e letters about port cover the history. What is port planting, harvesting, fermentation, planting, blending, aging, storing port types. And enjoying port. Yeah, that's what seven parts enjoy. Uh, and uh, then this last one here talked a little bit about my strawberry port, Casa del Sol strawberry port. The uh, current batch here on this was a six modeling. Wow, I did about 16 modeling, so that was a long ways back. Uh, the strawberry port has proven to be one of the biggest sellers and one of the one of the, the wine that Florida State Winery got to be noted for. I was very proud of the port. It was something that was, uh, you know, when people wrote up stuff about the winery, they always wrote about the port. People come in and did interviews and I'd give them the port and they would always, always write about the port. So there you go. There's information about the port, a little bit of history behind it. Everybody makes port. Uh, they, they cannot call it port now. It is against the rules because of name designation. 
Um, can't even call it an American port or whatever. Before 2006, March 14, 2006, if you made port then, you were grandfathered in. And so a lot of places do call their ports ports now because they've been calling it. But if you make a new one now, you can't call it port. There are a lot of different names floating around out there. I've said this before in past shows. Uh, there's no standard name. We need to really find a standard name for port in this country, but we don't have one. But port is something that's made in so many different styles all around the country, all around the world, actually. Uh, different countries have different names for them. I don't have them in front of me. I, I should have looked that up since I was talking about port. But they are different countries make ports, and they call them by different names, and they're very popular everywhere. And it's something that people have uh, enjoyed for centuries, and they continue to do so. So if you have not became a fan of port, and if you're not trying to port, I really do highly recommend it. They are good. They're not they're not wines because of the fortification, and that's basically was Casey's question. What makes the difference between a wine and a port? It is fortified. It's fortified with brandy, brings the alcohol level up, but it covers the gamut of taste and flavors of just about all the other wines in a port. So, and they're not heavy. A lot of people say, oh, ports are heavy. I mean, you drink the strawberry port, and that's certainly not a heavy port. It's just very flavorful, and a lot of them are. So get out there and enjoy your ports, and uh, hope you learned something about port on this show. Absolutely. Now, so is that is that what you mean? Because I, I believe I've heard this before, is when you say that this was made in a port style, I believe that's yeah. what you're referring to. Is that, is that what you mean is, is the, it's, the it's process or, yeah. or – Okay. It, it's, so it, it's the same thing. Everything's the same. They can't call it port, so they say this right. is made in the port style. Port style. Yeah, you know, and that it's basically a port. It, it's just because of the rules and regulations and name designations and stuff. Uh, you you can't say this is a port because a port right. is limited to that region of the world. So, so they say port style, which. You know, this would that is, refer to uh, would that refer to them adding the brandy into it, the whole process, yes. or, or is that yes. just okay? A fortified, hmm. yeah, fortified. Uh, yeah, I added brandy. Yeah, I added brandy to the strawberry port. It's it's got brandy in it, and uh, wow. and strawberries are also. Uh, but uh, well, for example, um, uh, what is it? I can't think of the name of it. I just had it and took my tongue and I can see the winery up in Iowa, Tassel Ridge, there it is. Tassel Ridge Winery uh, calls their port Finale. Um, and it's made in a port style, the Finale. Uh, it's like an after-dinner drink and where port used to use, and so it's it's the final, the Finale. And that's their port, but they can't call it port. You know, so. And you'll find names all over the country, but there's no standard name, you, you know. You, you know, do you have a port? Yes, here's the style. But uh, do you have a finale? Nobody knows what you're talking about. So, and yeah, it can get confusing. Wow. Yeah, so. interesting. Okay. 
Well, there you so go. There but, uh, go. Hopefully that answered his question. <laughs> it should have. It should have answered his I question. So. I, I, so. could have, I could have simply said, it's a fortified wine. That's it. You know, but, you know, I figured I'd revisit no. more. I didn't realize it was in 2008 I, I wrote that series. Oh, my gosh. That was just mm. that was a long time ago. Really? Right? That was. Wow. That was before the yeah. wine show. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And here you are bringing it, bringing it up. Yeah, bringing it up now on a on a show. Uh, eleven, twelve, almost eleven, twelve years later, <laughs> bringing it up. Yeah, so, right. awesome. No wonder I probably didn't. So all you people on through <laughs> listening for all the years, I have not brought that up because it was before yeah. the show. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, so. Let's see. What do we have? Uh, any other uh, topics? Oh, what we have coming up? Uh, no. Anything? Okay. Next show uh, would be. I've got the calendar here, so I know what next seven days from now is. Seven days, <laughs> the fourteenth, Valentine's yeah. Day. Wow. Mm. Valentine's N, not an M. Valentine's yep. Day. Valentine's yeah, Valentine's. Very good. That'll be uh, our next show on uh, February fourteenth, seven p.m. Uh, I know. See, I didn't know if you had any other. Hmm. No, I, I, I've got other stuff sitting here that you know, but no, I'll wait until okay. Valentine's Day. Uh, I am okay. Valentine's Day. Next week, uh, you know, we'll talk about. I saw an article, uh, Enhance Your Wine Experience, and this guy wrote a, wrote a little bit about different things on here, and I'm going to go through that. It, it's a it's a good idea. You know, some of the stuff that he says on here are, are good points, and so I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And, uh, you know, well... Very good. Then other <laughs> miscellaneous aspects. Oh, one of the things and that, that reminded me too, and I need to find his card. One of the things when I was out in Utah and visiting winery, I visited a winery that we had interviewed before. And when I was there, uh, I mentioned something to him, and I said, "I I, I talked to you," and he goes, "You from California or from Florida?" And I said, "Yeah," and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, we talked." I said, I'd like to get you on again. He says, okay, so I'm busy now. How about in the winter? And it is winter, and so I'll see if I can't get a hold of him and maybe we can and uh, get him on the show over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And then also uh, uh, I've got name designation. I just mentioned you can't use that name anymore. I've got some information, a couple of articles here on that. We will revisit that. For those of you who missed why we can't call it port, there is a reason. And mm-hmm. I'll cover that, get into a little bit more detail on that again. And uh, uh, let's see. And, you know, how long ago was this? Well, this was a while back, so I didn't even talk about that. Uh, yeah. And so, we'll, uh, uh, I hope I can his card. Now, if not, I know who he is. I can look it up, and I'll, I'll find it. So I'll see if I can get over him for a, for a, 
interview there. But Good. We're ready. Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm we just, will, uh, just thinking we'll out loud there. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I'm doing. As soon as I couldn't find this car, I remember all the other stuff and Good. Well, I've, I finished my second glass of port, so uh, I am yeah. done here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you, you, need, uh, you need to watch it now. You got your radio show tonight. Now, everybody, that's tune true. Mike's on my show tonight. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> ten to midnight. Ten, ten, 10 p.m. to midnight uh, Eastern time, which is um, whatever it is, uh, Mountain time. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I can't com- convert that now. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's for two hours, and uh, kind of mixing it up a little bit tonight. Uh, going to add some more stuff and um, just uh, have a good show. So there you go. Um, well, thank I you like all for uh, tuning. Hmm? Oh, I want to refer to your show again again before we oh. get rid of everybody. I enjoyed yeah, your you. show, Alternative Artist. You you played a show a while back where you had alternative artists, not mainstream ones, and you played some. Yes. And that was interesting. That was, yeah, that we call really it. I think it's I think it's alternative artist or in, indie type uh, independent indie. artist uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, and because yeah, um, I, I was interesting. I was getting contacted and they were like, "Hey, can you play my track? Oh, can you do this?" And a couple of them, I was like, uh, "There's no way. Um, I, I'd, I'd rather listen to my car tire spin on the road than uh, right, yeah. some of the tracks I've heard." But, or the uh, fan belt uh, slipping. <laughs> Yes, that's always good. Chalkboard, you know, fingernails on the chalkboard, yeah, right. that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, some of them. Are, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good music out there, and and they're not signed, or you know, they're trying to get played. And and I'd I'd hear it, and I go, God, well, why are you not being, you know, on on the radio, um, you know, regular FM and that kind of thing? And uh, like, sure, I'll I'll play it definitely. And um, yeah, that was, yeah, that that was, was an interesting. interesting. I, I listened to those. You've done that a couple times. Listen to those. That's that is. Yeah. Really, really interesting because, like you say, some of them are like, "Wow, these people are yeah. good." And there's a, a there's different. a few I, a few tracks that I've got. Uh, probably, I think tonight I have because uh, I have my my list lined up so I don't you know load the software up in the mixer and everything and, and go, "Wow, what am I going to play now?" You know, <laughs> yeah. always get that show started. But I do have a few that are you know not widely known or you know have have a big. Uh, and you know, much they're not on the radio. That's for sure. They're not, uh, or at least not in this area. But uh, you know, just to to play the tunes, and I've got a few of those tonight that I'm going to be playing. So uh, yeah, there's some good, there's some good, uh, definitely some good talent out there, and they need to be heard. So there you go. They do. Um, and, you know, and it's a good for you to play them well, and you know get them out there too. And maybe yeah. the right person might be listening right then and say, oh wow. Yeah, so. yeah always uh, always try it. Uh, and it's worldwide, so you never know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that is tonight. I'm just on for Thursdays now, but uh, we'll see if if that stays just on Thursdays. But uh, we'll see. Um, we will uh, close the show out for this week. We'll be back uh, on the 14th of February. Happy Valentine's Day, and um, we'll see you all then, 7 p.m. Eastern Time uh, in the U.S. Uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio. And again, if you have any questions or comments. Um, like you've already received, we discussed yeah, right, last yeah. week and this week. Uh, contact the show. You can contact Ron directly. It's all about wine one zero one at gmail dot com. All about wine one zero one at gmail dot com. And uh, Ron will get that. And uh, it's about wine, and we'll discuss it and uh, put it on the show. 
So yeah. um, thank you all for thank you all again for tuning in. Have a great week, a great weekend. Thank you for and, listening. Uh, we'll see you all next one. Thank you. Be safe out there. Enjoy wine. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.